You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Inside the Musicians Guild. I'm your host, Steve Choi. Thanks for being here. I hope everyone has managed to retain most of themselves throughout the holidays. Whether you get the privileged, magical, snowy Christmas replete with tradition, food, family, cheer, and photo ops, or you get the modern, pragmatic Christmas where you see who's around, chill when you can, and eat what's available, both are legit. As an underdog myself, my thoughts are always with those who are without. And as many of us know, uh, this time of year only accents the loss, uh, hunger, and loneliness that a lot of people experience. I myself am lucky enough to have been blessed with the immigrant superpower of not getting too affected and caught up in the holiday FOMO hubbub. You know, for so many... Santa isn't so comforting. Maybe it's how Mr. Poe saw the raven. You know, lots of references in Western literature do tend toward the negative. Like most things in life, when it comes to transcendental symbols, one person's savior is another person's pair of lead boots. Unfortunately, realizing the experience of others is not really a strength of our society right now. We all carry around so much pain in our hearts, love and pain and beauty. They all seem to go together like one little tidy, confusing package. (sighs) You know, it's a messy business life. It's hard to figure and full of surprises. Some good, some bad. We got one of those packages this year, no doubt. But it wasn't so little, was it? So, if you feel like you're alone, and if I'm managing to keep you some company now, uh, I'm honored to be in your space. I hope you can find the strength to reach out and communicate to someone, though, at least. Just a hello and a smile to strangers can be powerful if not a nice seven-phrase exchange with your server. But regardless of whether you do or don't, you know, good work with whatever you're doing. Whether it be lying down relaxing, making breakfast, doing your job, going for a walk, or uh, on your commute. I just hope you didn't spend all your time listening to Elliott Smith Records by yourself, or cleaning your house while listening to Steady Diet of Nothing. Speech is not to be taken lightly, my friends. 
music is the pathway to the heart, as Voltaire suggested, then speech is the pathway to other people. Live in silence, and you live alone, no matter how many people are around you. But aside from all that, we all know the holidays don't really mean shit when we can't even take care of our own fellow humans, right? Okay, just making sure. So, uh, as this year, according to the Gregorian calendar, comes to an end, uh, I hope we all realize that the most valuable things in life are not only free, but timeless, even if we feel like they don't last long enough. Let's just keep looking out for each other in specific union with finding our own happiness. If the world is going to end soon, uh, I'd love to spend it with all of the like-minded humans out there who care about humanity and realize we are all one. For reals. And uh, if the world doesn't end, then I'd love to spend my time in a pod on Mars with all of the like-minded humans out there who care about humanity, who were privileged enough to get to Mars. I don't know. Who am I kidding? I definitely wouldn't be one of them. As far as uh, year-end lists of albums or artists, I don't have one. I never do. That doesn't mean I didn't like anything that came out this last year. That doesn't mean that I wasn't moved by this resurgence and reinterpretation of a lot of the rock genres of the 90s. I think that I realized something that really affects me more than I wanted to admit was the kind of hyperbolic echo chamber of fandom and standing artists on the internet. Uh, even artists and records that I love, when I'm constantly reading these comments and statements of like, everything should be this artist, this artist should be president, this artist sh should make every genre of music in the world, I, I instantly get turned off. Um, the beauty of art and music in particular is the diaspora that blooms from every single niche. It's endless. These are like giant murals of fractals making these giant patterns and whether you zoom in or zoom out you're just seeing more shapes inside of shapes and patterns inside of patterns all moving concentrically but then these single pieces get lifted to the forefront and focused on and all of a sudden everybody thinks that that one tiny piece of that fractal is more important than everything else collectively. And I don't vibe with that. Simply what ends up happening a lot of the time is an artist or an album gets hyped. And I want to be hyped on it too. I want to connect with other people about it. I want to feel that joy that it gives other people. And in theory, it's great. But in practice, I listen to it. I love the look. I love the voice. I love the aesthetic. But when it comes down to the actual thing itself, the music, 
at best, couple of tracks. Okay, couple of tracks. That's respectable, noteworthy. But I'm over the couple of tracks artists. And most of them out there. Even so many hip-hop and pop artists that I truly want to love, I can't. They're limited to a couple of tracks. Okay, so on to today's guest. Today's guest is a very tall, very devilishly handsome, fine human being. He goes by the name Barry Johnson, and he sings and plays guitar in a band called Joyce Manor. A name's got a ring to it, like he'd be one of the greatest sluggers in the National League in 1989, Barry Johnson. I got the Barry Johnson rookie card, Fleer, and Upper Deck. Barry is another one of those guests who could make his own kick-ass podcast. If he did, I certainly would listen to it. But yeah, you know... um, He is another really intelligent human armed with a uh, fierce self-awareness and humility. And together that creates really lovely conversationalist. We're able to touch on a variety of subjects from the mundane to the more mundane. (laughs) Uh, But we approach these topics in a similarly open way and self-deprecating way. So, uh, you know, this conversation flew by. Not much interviewing, rather just friendly questioning. And as is mentioned during the conversation, we kind of forget the fact that we're recording an episode of the podcast, which is exactly the kind of podcast I want to make. So yeah, it was really good. I think one of Barry's greatest musical strengths is the cohesion between his vocal style and the lyrics he writes. I think that's a relationship that a lot of people don't pay attention to. And uh, I think that when people sing in a way that connects with the words and the phrasing they choose, it elevates vocal and lyrical power to like new heights and when I listen to Joyce Manor songs I feel like Barry really nails that and getting to know him in real life and speaking to him now I see that that is a really strong uh, I don't want to say foundation more like a spine I suppose uh, and how he interacts with the world I hope you are able to enjoy that too. So in this conversation, uh, we get into our return to higher education, feeling dumb and feeling smart. We talk about how Barry can't really appreciate jazz, but wants to talk about limiting video game intake. Uh, We get into some hyper-local Long Beach driver talk, Barry doing his civic duty by becoming an avid gamer, thusly having to limit it. The stress of hometown shows, the fickleness of the underground, appreciating the DeLeo brothers from Stone Temple Pilots, and tons more. So, 
Here's my conversation with Barry Johnson of Joyce Manor. How's it going, bro? Thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Um, I like your glass house shirt. Very oh, cool. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I love that place. Very OG. Yeah. Um, how's your morning been going? Pretty good. Um, my dog goes to daycare on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays just because she's crazy and needs to get her energy out. She's a puppy, so. Uh, but I just decided to take her today because I have some stuff I want to get done. So she's like a bonus daycare day today. And I think I baby saw everybody, everybody taking their kids to school. Today's like the first day back at school. And I was like, inspired me to get rid of my dog for the day. So, yeah. So that way I could just focus on doing this and I got some homework to do and stuff. So it's been good. That's cool. Um, what classes do you have homework for right now? I am taking astronomy. They actually just started, um, yesterday. So, uh, I have like my first day of like reading to do and, um, for astronomy and, uh, history of the Americas. Oh, cool. History yeah. of the Americas is cool. And I loved my astronomy class. Um, I'm taking biology this semester myself. So, Oh, I, cool. Uh, I have schoolwork to do later on today as well. When did you start that? The biology class? Um, Recently or are you? On August. Yeah. Okay. It's August 16th on my birthday. I had my first class and uh, it was my first academic class in 20 years. Holy shit, that's crazy. Yeah, bro, it's about all about stepping back towards old fears and reconciling the past. You know? Yeah, it feels good, huh? Like or for me anyway, it felt really good. Like I I went after high school and then I haven't gone back to college since yeah, I was twenty and I'm thirty four. So fourteen years, not quite twenty, but yeah, I'm I'm yeah. I'm way out of practice. But uh it's actually the first time I've ever done well in school my whole life. I did poorly in school right. from, from a very young age. So. Right. And I can relate to that as well. I did well early on, but as soon as late junior high, high school, punk rock, skateboarding, this all means nothing hit. It was yeah. like barely, barely graduated, basically. Wow, really? Um, Damn. Yeah, but then I don't know if you relate to this. You could tell me what you think, but I, like as I was planning to go back to school, I was thinking, okay, so... People like you and I have essentially made our own path in life and we see the chaos of life where you can make a plan and do everything right and shit will still fall apart. Shit yeah. will still go wrong and you just have to accept it. But then the structure of academia is way more of a microcosm that's way more controlled. It's way more hyperbolic. So they're like essentially do these assignments, do this reading, retain enough to regurgitate it and in the form of quizzes and tests, and you will be rewarded with this grade. The structure and the like, the return is so simple and fast. Yeah. And so now, as an adult, I'm like, oh, I'm feeling this. Like I can do this, you know. <laughs> I, I, I love it so much, dude. It makes me feel so like just calm to know like I have this much I need to accomplish this week in order to like stay on top of things. And it just makes me feel like I'm on top of everything in my life. Like if I can just be. Like with right. the, with the program on this one thing, I just feel kind of like very um, 
pleased with myself and proud of myself and like uh happy with yeah where the the world of um music or art is so um chaotic yeah exactly where it's no no kind of i guess you do get grades in the form of like reviews or like uh, ticket sales is kind of like a grade they'd be like this is how many tickets you sold like this is yeah but those things are um while they are great i look at like other artists that get good reviews or sell a lot of tickets and i'm like that shit sucks like this this is not a this is not a marker (laughs) of like what actually you're actually good or something so i don't know and for whatever reason it would just stress me out because i feel like okay well things are going well now but like who the fuck knows about a year from now i know how fickle it can all be and how quickly the totally bottom can just drop out on it so with with academia once you once you earn a degree it's like you you have that and it can't really be taken away from me or it just it opens up a lot of doors for you so i'm excited to, to do that yeah and i feel like it's the most conformist thing that we can do that gives us the most benefit actually because like knowledge and new ways of critical thinking and communicating are like invaluable to anybody in no matter what you do in life yeah i'm actually pretty self-conscious about my um intellect and uh there's like certain things that like like i said i didn't pay much attention in school so there's things that i really should know that i i I don't and um i'm a little self-conscious about it and so i think as i learn this stuff for the first time um like it's stuff that i think you should know as a grown person you know and like when you go to europe like people know this stuff like they they're familiar with the geography of (laughs) the country you live in despite they don't live there but they like they know you know and 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 i feel so um totally people ask me like oh yeah like uh what like part of Europe were you in? And I was like, I have no fucking clue. I just like got off the plane. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, is that kind of on like the the East Coast or like, or you know, like what? I was like, I don't know. It's like, oh, is that by this ocean? I'm like, I have no fucking clue, man. I just. I have, yeah. I have a lot to say about that. First of all, <laughs> I think talking to you, it's obvious that your intellect is plenty strong. And what you're talking about, I, I can understand, but that's more like knowledge. It's more knowledge, you know, exactly. Which is like, yeah, no, like yeah. I, I'm like emo- emotionally intelligent. I know how to talk to people and stuff, but that's just, yeah. But actually, some there's some knowledge that I'm lacking and that I'm a little self-conscious about. I'm not trying well, to be like I'm falsely sure humble and be like, oh, I'm just an totally. idiot, you know what I mean? But but there not is totally. there's some stuff I really feel like, as a grown person, you should know that I don't know. No, I, I totally feel that 1,000%. <laughs> Yeah. I have a trope that I say, which is I'm I'm only smart enough to know how stupid I am, and that's not false modesty either. It's that literally the more, uh, the more of a worldview and more knowledge I gained, the more I realized how actually fucking stupid I am. You know, I'm smart enough to do certain things, but I'm definitely not as smart as I thought I was when I was 17 or 18. You oh know yeah, I mean? yeah, and and you know the kind of people yeah. we are, the kind of circles we maybe found ourselves kicking it in where like there are some lovely and really amazing people but like not always the brightest bunch you know and then you kind of find yourself like maybe sometimes in a around a different circle of people and you're like these fucking people are smart holy shit you know and uh yeah totally. and i just immediately exactly. just feel like a kid like you know like i stopped um yeah challenging myself intellectually you know what i mean i still kind of consume the same type of uh art and media that i had had from a young age just because of the world i got stuck into and well that's not entirely true but i mean you know um i don't have an appreciation for jazz is what i'm saying and i feel like i i 
I should learn. You know what I mean? Like, and maybe, even maybe just through college, like approaching music, maybe from more of a, um, academic angle. Um, I could yeah. do that with music and maybe learn to appreciate jazz and stuff. Cause that's something I've been really trying to crack for like 10 or 15 years. So have you gone through all like the biggest jazz records, totally. like the more love famous Supreme. ones? Yeah, I love Supreme and uh, okay. What's the Miles Davis one? Gotcha. Kind of Blue or um, Bertha Cool or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, there's few. There's also Sketches of Spain, which Sketches is one of, of his Sp- later things. That yeah. yeah, is that live? No, no. Sketches I don't think it's not. live. Okay. All right. Yeah, I actually but, um, I have a Miles Davis record I really like called On the Corner, which is real weird. It's like um, it almost kind of sounds like Krautrock. It's it's um yeah yeah I know what you're talking about. It has like samples almost. It's um yeah it's a re- it's yeah. a really cool record. I think uh he he saw Jimi Hendrix and and he was like really into it. He was like Jimi Hendrix. He thought Jimi Hendrix was really cool, and then he started running his trumpet through like pedals and stuff. Yeah. So it's it's a pretty. He also made another. Idea. There's another record in that era where he's on the cover with a Tommy gun, and it's this really long title like Stop. Or I will shoot, blah 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 blah, <laughs> and like that was of the same era, and it was pretty cool what he was doing. I think it's for me. I feel like it's obvious that a lot of it was fueled by like copious amounts of cocaine. He was doing a lot of drugs, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but um, there. Anyway, I I wanted to go back to one thing, which is that personally, like, if I'm going to speak to you directly, I think it's obvious that you're armed with a self awareness that is uh, indicative of a certain level of intelligence and. Bro, like California public. Did you go to public school? Oh yeah, yeah. California yes. public schools until recently have ranked in the bottom ten, like consistently of the fifty states too. So I can like distinctly remember really crappy teachers with really crappy curriculum, and like looking back on my high school years. So um, I think you're doing the most anybody can do, and uh, talking to you is always fun for me because, yeah what you may call that emotional intelligence to me is just like what I call uh true intelligence. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it's funny. Then, like, like we're talking about with, with school where you can just, um, it's, it's so structured where you can just earn certificates and then you're um, eligible for certain jobs. And, um, so I think a lot of people who, who couldn't really succeed in the like real world can just succeed in the world of academia, despite having like no, like, charm or charisma or like being engaging in any way so exactly. a lot of a lot of teachers they're just like totally. well i guess i'll do this but they have they don't have like it they can't like command a room or like hold someone's attention so i just yeah a lot of people i think who exactly who end up end up teachers are not um yeah i don't know um the most uh engaging uh, people and engaging speakers which I think it's something you really have to be able to do in order to um, to teach and to get people to um, listen to what you're saying and, and be compelling. But totally agree. Yeah, totally agree. And I think the same thing is uh, happens with a lot of other professions that are really academic heavy. Like you have a lot of doctors that are smart enough to kind of academically and intellectually understand things, but by the time they're a practicing doctor, they don't have that functional intelligence and that creative thinking to actually do problem solving and actually like help patients. So really what they're doing is kind of just like regurgitating MOs and protocols. And you're just like, that's why you don't get anywhere with a lot of them. Um, yeah, so yeah. I totally agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Um, 
That's cool that you've made so many attempts to get down with jazz, just because although it's a very different musical form, it shares so many similarities with punk music. It's different in that punk comes from people who don't really care about the technicalities of music often, whereas jazz was like the most learned musicians possible, then going and going like, fuck all the rules, we're just going to make and smash down all these walls and just play this wild ass music. But that's what I've always found striking about jazz. Yeah, dude. Um, you know what I actually really liked? And I I liked it more than um, maybe trying to just listen to jazz was I watched Ken Burns jazz. And I found that like really, really, oh, really wonderful, fascinating. And it was a, re- it was because it's kind of, it's just kind of the history of America, but through the lens of, yeah. of music. So it was a lot more, um, relatable to me. And, uh, and yeah, I, I just, I, I loved it. I thought it was so great and super, super fascinating. Um, super fascinating. It's also, yeah, even like someone like Lu- Louis of- Armstrong, like Louis Armstrong, someone yeah. I didn't really know was as important to, um, like an American cultural export, as 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 he really was. I just kind of like, oh yeah, that guy. He's got the gravelly voice, and but he was, you know, like like Beethoven or something like that. You know, he was a total genius. But I didn't, I didn't realize. Yeah, I I didn't realize until I took like jazz appreciation classes early on in college too, and stuff that that kind of interface between the beginnings of it with like ragtime and new Orleans jazz. And then people like Louis Armstrong who were, who in particular, you know, like jelly roll Morton were the dudes that took it from that really gnarly new Orleans ragtime to like this worldwide American black American brand of music. It's really cool. Yeah. I um, think, I think he's one of those people where it's just kind of like a bolt of lightning, like, and then Louis Armstrong happened and it was just like a crazy jump. Like how do you get from, where he was like, and there's no like total clear line. Like, I mean, obviously you can trace up to it, but it's kind of like, Oh shit. And then that happened. There's like, this dude is. Yeah. Whoa. Another, like another planet kind of guy. Yeah. Like, yeah. Louis Armstrong, uh, Beatles, Nirvana, those, those people in that like echelon. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. I, I really like all of, uh, Ken Burns jazz is definitely still one of the best, but I mean, the way I am, Ken Burns could make a series on fucking dental floss and I'd find it interesting. Yeah. So yeah, know. those, those are so cool. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, okay. That's really cool. So what time is right now? It's 10 20 on a Tuesday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the lead singer of a successful punk band like you's? morning routine um i wish i had more simple of one. guy simple guy um i wish that i had more structure in my life and i, I think that's why i'm really enjoying school but um i don't have like a a super um healthy and like normal routine i don't wake up at the same time every day even though i know i should um no, that's chill i kind of get up between like seven and like nine thirty. Um and what will I do? You know, everything kinda changed with um I used to not have a coffee maker, so I used to walk and get coffee, which I really liked because it kind of made me yeah. accountable. Like it made me get dressed. It made me like shave and like be presentable because I'm like likely gonna run into someone I know because I've lived in Long Beach <laughs> yeah. forever. So I'm just like I can't just look like a complete piece of shit. I gotta kinda pull it together a little bit. 
to be to go to the coffee shop and I would get coffee, talk to the people there that I know. And I would kind of like start my day as a human being. Um, but now during the pandemic, I moved um, and I'm not really near any coffee shops that I'd, I'd want to go to. And um, yeah. And I mean, there, there's, there, there's some there, right. But like the, the one I, I went to forever, I was like a regular and I knew, I knew the people who owned it and stuff. So I like to go in there every morning, but there's a couple of shops around now, but it's just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a regular there. So I got a coffee maker. I make coffee at home, which is bad, man. Cause I, I'm not held accountable and I'll just fucking do nothing <laughs> till, till I guess like lunchtime. And, um, that's not bad though. You I mean, you're living your life and you're getting your stuff done. I'm, I it get, I make sense. Like if you want something else for it, but you know, it's, it's one of those things where it, it was expensive and like everything, you know, shut down for the <laughs> pandemic. And it was just like, I was getting it to go. You know what I mean? I was like, this is fucking stupid. Like I'm, I'm paying five bucks for a cup of coffee every day to get it to go. You know, like that's fucking, what am I doing? Um, I wasn't really getting yeah. the benefit of like sitting and having coffee and, you know, that, those are kind of like my coworkers, like the people I would see every day, like the other regulars. And I was like that annoying guy at the coffee shop that's like there to hang out, you know? Um, but, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Um, let me just right. delete. But yeah, you know, and then I, I answer, I usually have some emails or I refresh my email a lot, hoping for something exciting. That little like slot machine game of like, any fun emails, you know, like anything, anything yeah. exciting happening in the email? Fuck off. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> and yeah, um, I guess, like I said, that's it. You know, I walk the dog. Um, I eat some breakfast, boring, boring ass breakfast. I was making smoothies for a while and I just got so sick of smoothies. So I'm back to just eating raisin bran in the morning. My, it's raisin it's bran, really huh? dull. Old yeah. School. Yeah, it's so sugary and stuff, but I'm just like, I try, I, I quit it, and then I start making a smoothie instead. But I guess sugar covered yeah. raisins are so good, though. I just like it. Yeah, I'm just used to it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I don't have a very good morning routine, and and uh, yeah, I like it. Yeah, I like it. I think it's annoying when people have to be like super optimizing everything, mm. and they and and like. I'm really calling myself out when I say that because yeah. I get into this tendency of like doing that and I really try to be like, dude, just do what you do. Like, don't worry about that so much. So I maybe I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum from you and, and you and I are trying to both reach that similar middle area. Oh, right? I, I forgot to, I play video games every morning. That's what I do. I, I have make coffee and play video games every, every morning. What? Okay. So I have a few questions. Do you okay. drink your coffee black? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just get coffee yeah. from like a one of the like like hip coffee shops and grind it and have them grind it and then yeah just make a pot so, of coffee. So bef before were you a Lord Windsor or a Rose Park? I would guy? I would because I'm a to, Rose Park person. I would go to Lord Windsor. Yeah, um, Rose but Rose Park is cool too. I got I got I got no beef with any of the co any of the places. Like, but I used to live right next to Lord Windsor back when they first opened, and I just have been going there since yeah since they opened. And I was like, oh, this is a cool new place. And then I just found myself going there every day and getting to know the people who work there and stuff. And uh, yeah, it was just part of my routine. And and it's mostly it was mostly just out of um, proximity. And then uh, yeah, 
Yeah, once I didn't live near there anymore, I, I would still drive there, and then everything shut down, so everything was to go, and I was just like, I can't, I can't justify doing this every day. Um, but I still go buy beans from them and stuff. So, but actually, someone drove That's into legit. it. Someone drove a car into it. Do you know about that? Didn't that happen like some months ago? Yeah, I, I heard about that. I I don't know if they're open yet though, because I mean, it's I think it's pretty yeah. tough when someone drives a car into your building i I don't know like i don't know if it's like insurance they're waiting for insurance money to come through or something but uh yeah somebody drove into that that thing so i haven't been there in a little while because i just someone drove into it so yeah you you have to live in long beach to understand and for anyone listening who's not really familiar long beach has so many tight streets and all these tight streets always have cars parked and yet there is this like large amount of people that decide they still need to drive on these streets like it's a freeway yeah and crazy accidents like that happen like that's the fourth or fifth business i've heard of getting smashed into by a car in long beach dude you know what i'm surprised doesn't happen more often is like they have and they build a bunch more of them during the pandemic is those parklets i don't know if this is happening in other cities but there's all these like um they kind of build them out into the street they have like all these tables that are like in the middle of the street and people drive like fucking dickheads in Long Beach, like going so fast on these tiny streets. And I'm just like, someone's going to fucking plow through one of these parklets. Like, I'm surprised totally. that hasn't happened like 10 times. But I haven't really heard about oh, it happening I, or or they're like covering it up or something because the parklet people. I mean, since they narrowed Broadway and put the bike lanes in, there's been like three or four people hit by drivers. On bikes? Like, you know. pedestrians pedestrians. not even on bikes yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude like it's getting crazy um what this is maybe a little hyper hyper specific hyper local that a lot of your listeners might be like i don't know what the fuck these guys are talking about but (laughs) that's cool but they know that if they listen to this they're gonna be listening to me talk about various niche things with various people (laughs) all right (laughs) um so what kind of video games do you play or what I, game in particular? I like, um, I'm trying to be more open-minded about video games, but I kind of like more games that are similar to like the Super Nintendo era games. So I I got a Nintendo Switch um, when COVID happened and there was a lot of these like great kind of indie games that I never played. And as soon as I started playing them, um, everyone had like a million games. Like, oh, you never played this? Oh, you got to play this. So like the video game thing, yeah. I've been doing it for like a year and a half now. But there was like 10, 10 years or so of games that I never played. So I'll play stuff like that. And then I'll also play stuff that's like from like PlayStation 1, like that type of game. But the type of game that I'm not cool. really that into is like first person shooters. And a lot yeah, of I games, don't play those at all. A lot of games, there's like some games that people love. They're like, yeah, like you got to play this first person shooter. Like, I don't know. I never played these yeah. games called Bioshock, but I can't get into that. And um, the newer Resident Evil games are all first-person shooters, and I think they're okay. I kind of like the old ones. Yeah. I don't play any of those. I'm a Breath of the Wild uh, Animal Crossing yeah. person myself. Yeah. So. I, I, I Breath of the Wild was really cool, and my girlfriend actually really liked it because um, it was like pretty beautiful to look at. So she was like, she'll just beautiful game. chill and do stuff, and she's just like very into totally. watching me exist in that world, whereas if I'm like doing first when I play the first person shooter games, I feel like a piece of shit. I just feel like a guy <laughs> just shoot like shooting stuff and I just feel weird playing them. I don't really 
and I can like I can do it and I can kind of get into it. Actually, you know what I kind of liked was the Doom, the new Doom games. But yeah, she didn't really like uh-huh. watching me play those. They're like really, I don't know. They're intense. They're intense. They're super fucking intense. And she was just like, God, this is intense. It's kind of intense to have in the background happening at 9 a.m. or whatever. Because yeah, I play video totally. games for like, I have my coffee at home now and play video games. And then if I'm really into the video game, that'll go deep into the day if I don't have shit to do. And then like my girlfriend gets like progressively more annoyed. She's like, so this is just what you're going to do all fucking day? And I'm like, oh, I just got to like, I'm gonna, I'm looking for a place to save and then and then I, I'll stop. But I'm like fully addicted. Because for a while, it was just by doing this, it was like I was doing my civic duty. You know, I was staying home and just wait, like riding out the virus. And it's like everybody, it was all good. It was like there was yeah. no, no, nothing to do. Everything shut down. So just yeah. chill and play video games. But I got really used to that. And, um, it's become unacceptable in this household. <laughs> so, so <laughs> It'll, uh, it's like three p.m. and and you're like, uh. yeah. If I'm just like really into it and I just don't want to stop, I'll just like keep putting stuff off. Um, I like that. I yeah. really like knowing that because I didn't know that about you. And to me, from what I knew about you, now knowing that you have you like to play video games and you actually have to fight like it consuming your day sometimes. Yeah. From my perspective, it makes you more well-rounded because if I were to guess, I would be thinking like, Oh, Barry. Yeah. He just played a show. He's probably at home drinking coffee, reaching, reading like a Bukowski book or reaching, reading ham on rye for the 17th time or something like that. But yeah, I, I, I read, but I I don't, I don't read as much as I should. I, I go through like, I get, um, and you know that's i used to do that more i used to bring a book to uh lord windsor and sometimes i would read the book sometimes i'd have just the book sitting there with my phone out and like that's pretty depressing um or sometimes <laughs> i would just bring in talk and just uh, like talk to the fucking baristas about god knows what like um and uh yeah yeah but i go i like i don't know how if you're like this but sometimes i'm like really really good at reading and sometimes i just like i'm reading the same book for like a year just bringing it around yes. you know what i mean and i'm like yes totally but, but then like i'll get into like a good rhythm where i'm just knocking books out and like really re- just good at reading and other times just can't yeah. do it there are certain books that really took me 10 to 15 years to slowly read and comprehend like things like the art of war or the Day Dao Ching, like the Taoist thing by Lao Tzu, like I couldn't really understand them when I started reading them at 19, but after like 10 years, I started to like slowly come back to them and then they started to make sense to me. So um, I think it's legit with certain books, whereas, you know, obviously when you're 17 or 18, you read Catcher in the Rye for the first time, it's like that, you know? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. A dude, I mean, I think everybody reads this dude, but I, I got a, someone recommended me a book by Murakami, and then I I just found those like really readable and really fun, and um, I read like pretty much all, I pretty much wrote all, read all of his books, and then once I once I ran, awesome. out, ran out of those, I was kind of like, all right, I'm gonna read uh, Crime and Punishment, and then I've like I've like <laughs> been reading Crime and Punishment for like a year and just play video games instead, but but the, the Yo, first wow. half of it's pretty dope, like yeah yeah, it, and I, it, I was like pretty engaged and then. And then I kind of put it down for too long. 
and um I can't like I forget who who the people are. Like the names are so fucking weird and long that I'm like I don't know who the f- they all kind of have like like nicknames too that are so I don't fucking know who they're talking about or but um I'm trying to get back into that but not not trying super hard. The fucking phone, man. The phone made every everything hard for me. It made like a reading Bro. Or, or fucking watching a movie even. It's it's pathetic. I got to I Yeah. Fuck me over, man. There's times where on tour or traveling for shows where I'm on my phone so much more that I've actually started to have like carpal tunnel and weird soreness Yo. in my wrists and stuff where I'm like literally going, I can't believe myself. I'm literally physically harming myself so for the pathetic. fucking phone. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And yeah like, and as, as musicians, it's like, this is how I'm going to get this shit. By yeah. fucking looking at Instagram, <laughs> like fucking shoot me in the, the head, irony. Man. This is pathetic. The irony like, is yeah. painful, bro. Yeah. Yeah. I you know what? Actually, um, this is this is kind of I don't know if this is lame or whatever, but um I there's this thing called the light phone. Do you know what that is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I saw that thing. Yeah. I got I I bought one. But there's like there's like oh, a mic, there's like a microchip shortage, so they keep like emailing me and they're like, Next month we're really hoping to have have it, but like um oh Yeah, God. so so I was supposed to have it like like three or four months ago, but it's all good. It's it's kind of like I think everybody's experienced. I saw like David Crosby on Twitter, like he was like complaining because he can't get his Tesla. He's like, "Damn it, Elon!" <laughs> like he's like, "Elon said I would have my Tesla six months ago." Like, what's going on? And um, so that's kind of like me with my light phone. Um, the light phone is is that the one with text or no text? That's literally the it calling has, only it, one. No, no, it has text. No, it has it has some good shit. Like it has text. It has email, maybe, and I think they have a function oh, okay. coming out where it has will have um, maps. It'll be kind of like it'll give you like directions, but it's only black and white, and it's so it's not as like um, whatever. I don't know. I love it's, it. It's better. It doesn't have blue light or whatever the fuck. And um, yep. So it's not as fun to look at. Like I think the the uh, it, and it doesn't have any. You can't have any social media on it. And um, yeah. But I think it would be really difficult to get by now without the GPS of a phone. Totally. Correct? Totally. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I had a flip phone for like a few months in 2016 and it was dope. I loved it. But um, I ran into like enough problems. Like it couldn't handle group texts. So I would get like. That made me feel kind of lonely because like my friends would be like <laughs> laughing in a group text that I was like in and it would just like be like in this weird like error message. But like they yeah. would be like referencing something they're like they're like, oh yeah, you you saw it. And I was like, nah, I remember I got the fucking, I don't know. I don't know. I know you guys are talking about something in there. I know that you guys are like yucking it up in the group chat and I'm just missing all of it. So people had to like text oh me my directly. God. And like my, yeah. my band, where you know how bands are like you, the group text is... A lot. It's a lot of it, you know, especially on on the road and stuff. So I was just yeah. like, nope, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Like that all happened without me. So that made Barry, me feel a little lonely. Did you see that picture? It was amazing. Yeah. Well, nope, you know what? Didn't see it. You know what's funny is the light phone. This is like a commercial for the fucking light phone now. Um, it will redirect photos people send you to your email, so you can like open it, but you can't look at the you can't look at any pictures on your phone. There's no pictures right. on it. But you can, I could pull it up on my computer and look at it. 
the photo in an email. But um, yeah, from from what I saw, it looked like a Kindle kind of yes. like that. Like exactly, yeah. exactly. I don't, I don't know yeah. how you how, how you describe that, but um, kind of like an old Game Boy, the black ink like only. the most rudimentary LED screen. I think. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but not quite like I don't know if you remember those fucking like individual like like a Battletoads game. Oh yeah, or, yeah. Not not like that. Like, I don't know what the fuck that's called. But uh, yeah, that was some like high level etch a sketch shit. Dude. Yeah, like, yeah. That's kind of more like etch- yeah. That's 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 <laughs> yeah. That's rudimentary. But what did totally. like a, what did like a Nokia brick have? What did it look like? I think it was like the step up from there, which was like it wasn't that like. It wasn't like the Battletoads game where it's preset yeah. markers, like it moving exactly. across it. Whereas, like, yeah, the game. But was it wasn't like was a game. Like, but it wasn't like a Game Boy. It was like the pixels were less refined, right? Like, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, no, you're right. Yeah, more like a Kindle. Um, <laughs> do you do you take your Switch to you with you when you play shows? I don't Are know. you hanging with people backstage? Um, I, I just got a, uh, I just got it like when COVID happened, but we played a couple shows recently okay. and I didn't bring yeah. my Nintendo switch, which is weird though, because, um, one of my friends or like one of the dudes that was, uh, like doing merch for us, um, was like, he's like, Oh, you should bring your switch. He's like, we can play Mario Kart. And I was just like, I don't, I don't think it's a good idea. Cause I, I just I just don't think I don't know I just feel like I should leave it at yeah. home. I I, uh, I was really really nervous playing these shows and um, it was really scary and exciting and I just kind of feel like as comforting as playing Mario Kart would be I kind of needed to like get in the zone. Um, I, it's that's how I feel. I think one of the most nerve wracking things a band can do is take a long time off, like we all had to, yeah. and then come back and have some of your first shows be large hometown shows you Jesus, know it's very right? nerve-wracking and Fuck like you yeah. and me were talking about over text last week we there's already so much stress around that and so like you know maybe you're similar to me where you you want to relax after sound check even with nobody backstage but so much of it ends up being pacing and handling little odds and ends stuff and just trying to focus my mind and like get centered you know totally yeah i just it's they they had like a protocol with like no guests in the um green room like only crew and uh significant Sick. others only yeah and it was dope like i loved it um but yeah it's always like text messages like hey i'm not on the list or like Oh, oh, I didn't get a wristband. Oh, and I'm just like, I'm like, I'm just, so I'm kind of handling that. And then, uh, yeah, just, just, yeah, hurry, like just waiting around and feeling super anxious. Try not to. Do you, drink. yeah. Do you handle the tour managing stuff? No. For shows? Our, ba- our bass player does it. Okay. But yeah. you guys all handle it within the band. You mm-hmm. don't even, like, cool. I think our bass player matt wants to offload some of that because we normally would bring our friend chad on tour with us who would do merch and he's like super amazing person and a really good friend of ours and that's the main reason we bring him we don't bring him because he's like a merch expert like and he's good he's totally like he's right sells a lot of stuff and the kids the kids love him and know like know who he is um 
but yeah, we don't we don't bring him because he's like this touring seasoned touring pro that is like you know knows all the shit. Um, we bring him because he's our friend and we love to be around him. Um, but legit, he he got a job selling. Uh, he does like pet insurance, so he's kind of like a claims adjuster for like pet insurance, and he's he's done like really well there and been promoted a bunch and like he's doing really well there. So he can't he can't really tour with us for the time being. So we're bringing this dude Cal now, who's also a friend and a great guy, but he is like a touring. He tours with like a bunch of bands. He's like tour managed like Coheed and Cambria and shit. So he's really good at like advancing and stuff. So I think Matt wants to unload some of that onto Cal. So Cal will be doing merch and tour managing so that, because actually Matt, our bass player is a day-to-day manager now for um, Kathy, who you know. Um, oh, really? Is he working at Sergeant House? He's, yeah, he, he's like he's he's day to day managing bands at uh, Sergeant House. How long has he been doing that? A few months. He just got the job a few months ago. Yeah, that's cool. He's catching Kathy at her most mellow and calm, and that's awesome, dude. Yeah, he's stoked. Yeah, I think I think he's really liked it so far. But um, I I don't know what the deal is once um we get back on the road if he's going to be trying to work in work in remote or whatever. But um. He's gonna have a That's lot. Of gonna he's gonna have demanding. a lot of responsibility as it is. So I think yeah. I think I don't think he needs the added um, responsibility of not not that we're super hard to tour manage or anything, but you know it's it adds up those little things. Totally, it does. And the bigger the production, the more shit there is to handle, like yeah. that you wouldn't even think of. You know, I mean. Yeah. Um. So overall, like. You guys, Joyce Manor did like a secret show at that venue, yeah, that bar in San Pedro, right? Mm-hmm. As yep. like a warm up before the Palladium shows. And then you did two nights at the Palladium. Yep. Um, how were those overall? They were great. What's they're, the vibe? What's the takeaway? They're both sold out, um, packed shows. It was, you know, that which was crazy. Um, I don't really like doing two nights at the same room. It's kind of the way I look at it, especially this, because it was a, it was kind of like a birthday where we did, it was like we were playing our first record 10 year anniversary thing, um, which I also don't like. I, I think when bands do that, I think it's super <laughs> lame um, because it seems like really desperate and like you're, uh, we're going to play the shit you like, please come. Um, but the rest of my bandmates thought it was, we're excited about it. And I was too, actually. I was like, it'll be fun. We still play a lot of those songs anyway. We had to add like three songs that we would normally wouldn't play. Um, right. And it was fun to play them. And, and people were really excited. And it's fun to do something that makes people really excited. But I do judge other bands when they do it. I also think it's weird to kind of give away the set list before you play it. It's like, this is what we're going to play. Please come. Um, and totally. so, But it was dope. And people were excited, and it did really well. And I think in order to make it special, we actually had production for the first time ever. Um, our friend Nate, yeah. who weirdly booked, he he does a thing called SOS booking. He booked yeah. the record release show um, back, back in, in two thousand back in two thousand eleven. So he booked our record release show, and then he did the production for the show because he does production for like big ass edm artists so he yeah like, i thought that video screen looked familiar i was like oh i wonder if sos did that show 
Yeah, so so he he production managed that, and like it was the first time we've ever had even like a lighting person. Like I've never we've never Sick. even we've never even had like any kind of visual production period. So um, so yeah, there was like a programmed light thing and a video wall and like yeah. confetti. There was like confetti moments, and nice. That was really cool. Yeah, it was kind of like let's let's do something um, different and kind of special for this occasion and yeah i i kind of wish that it had just been one night but the fact that we had to, it, the first show sold out super fast so we added the second one which it did it did well like you know it was it was wise to do as far as like making money or whatever but just the totally. idea it just would have been nice to have it be like one memory and not split up into two nights because you're naturally going to compare the two nights and you're going to i don't know you're just maybe naturally without subconsciously going to kind of hold back the first night because you know you have to do this again the next night um especially with my voice like if i um if i go too hard on my voice i'll fuck it up especially and then and then i won't be able to sing the next night so and i mean that's tour i do that all the time on tour but (laughs) since it's just a fucking one-off it was like um it kind of would have been cool to have just gone completely fucking ape shit and I don't know. I want, you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to, that record's only 20 minutes long and we were kind of debating like, oh, like, what? like people were asking like, are you guys going to play other stuff? And, and we're like, yeah, yeah. But I was kind of like, it would be sick if we just played the record and then just broke all our shit. Just like, just, just like, like real, like Nirvana style actually just like destroyed all our gear and then left stage. That uh, that would have been cool, but I I really wonder what three thousand people in the Palladium would do after, if you just played for twenty for seventeen minutes, minutes or whatever, yeah. all your gear. And we had the video wall and the confetti cannon and like this huge production for seventeen minutes. I just I just kind of think like who would do that? But it's like you sometimes maybe have to be like I would, I would do it. And then yeah, people would be pissed off. They you know the shows weren't super. You know they were. It wasn't like a fucking ten dollar show where you can just play a punk length set and be like, "Yeah, that's normal," you know. It, but yeah, it, it was would have be. been it would have been weird. It would have been cool. Like when we started breaking all our shit, that would have been really cool to watch. You'd be like, "Oh fuck!" Yeah. Like I don't know. I, I I've never been a break our stuff kind of guy. I don't. I I like musical instruments. I like music, and I think uh, it's kind of corny to to do that. But I agree. I think it's yeah. I think it's kind of corny, but I I think it would have been fucking like, what are they gonna do? They 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 played the record. It's like you kind of have to go out in a blaze of glory. But we didn't end up doing it. But yeah. part of me, an immature, uh, destructive younger me, somewhere in there would be like, that would be cool, man. And uh, we didn't totally. Do it. Yeah. Well, that said, I think it's cool when people kind of go against their own norms or conventions. So, uh, you know, being a band that respects their gear never smashes it. If you did it, it wouldn't be corny then. It would only be corny if you replicated that every night. And it was exactly. like a syndicated yeah. thing. Yeah. No, yeah. But I was like, you know what? This is like, this is a, a show or we're doing this record. And it's a record from when I was younger and less mature. And, you know, I don't know. used to like throw my guitar and stuff like, but. um, Totally. Yeah. Just to give in to those shitty um, impulses and just. Uh, yeah ne- never really got to do that and uh didn't do it didn't end up doing it because 
you know, it's stupid. And 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 we then we played a bunch of other songs that people like, and, and it was cool. But you know, and your strat is nice. You don't want to hurt that thing. That's yeah. a nice strat. Yeah. Um, I I wasn't playing the strat, but I was playing the telly this time. But yeah, it's also my girlfriend's, so she would have been pissed. You weren't playing the strat. Oh, I nah. thought the video I saw looked like you were playing. You were playing a telly, huh? White telly. But yeah. You, you play a strat a lot, don't you? The black yeah, one. With exactly. The white pick guard. Yep. Okay. So I wasn't tripping. No, no, but no. yeah, you know, on that note, I I agree, and I've actually felt similarly about album tours, like you said. But as far as like breaking the own rules, like my band has done two different album tours for two of our older albums, and for us, it was kind of like a rule breaking thing because we're a band that like jams and improv so much and changes songs so much in the set, and like rarely give people exactly what they want. So it was fun to kind of do that uh, a couple times, you know. Yeah, totally, totally. I, I, you know, you know, I think I understand. Like, and I, 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 feel, I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of it too. I understand why nostalgia is so um, enjoyable, and especially in a time like now, where like the things are so uncertain and and weird and uh, un, uneasy. It's like the just to kind of look back and feel comforted by something known like the past um, is is so tempting. But yeah, I, I generally think it's bad. Nostalgia is bad, and uh, <laughs> it's 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 just not it's not good. It's you should you should always be progressing and moving forward. And um, oh yeah, I yeah. agree. Where nostalgia becoming or things becoming too nostalgia heavy is the death of progression and and genres within subsects of art actually developing for sure. Or, yeah, just things being for healthy. Sure. I think it, it can just be unhealthy when you're just like consuming and and marketing your own past is there's this metric it's not good for the soul there's this metric i always kind of go back to in my head which is you know in 1998 on modern rock radio if you played songs from 20 years previous you'd be playing songs from 1978 and in the year 1998 you could not get away with that because it was such an old sound. Whereas now in the year 2020, 2021, they still play so much music from 2001, 2002. Yeah. And I think this yeah. indicative of us moving towards this, like at least in music, like this musical singularity where there's like so much less progression at the moment and a lot less diversity. And so it's like, I think that's largely contributed uh, to by internet attention span and nostalgia reliance you know something yeah yeah i mean I, I guess especially in rock music i think if you think about like rap music if you think about rap music from 2021 versus like rap music now they they don't look anything alike do you know what i mean yeah i i often say yeah i often say that the thing that's progressing the most right now is hip-hop yeah. hip-hop and pop are progressing the fastest yeah exactly that, that sound that's changed a lot but um a lot. Yeah, a lot. But guitar music has just become so weird and faceless and bland. Like, kind of after the la the last thing that was, like, really a noticeable sound, I feel like, was maybe the, um, like, uh, Mumford & Sons kind of thing that happened uh, <laughs> maybe 10 years ago. You know what I'm talking Like, that yeah. type of shit? That was the last, like, oh, this is, like, a oh, fucking no. radio rock guitar kind of yeah folk stomp it's like structured like an edm song but it's like kind of like built on acoustic guitar yeah. um 
and indie rednecks yeah and then that just kind of turned into i don't know like imagine dragons kind of thing that it's just so faceless and weird and hard to even like like what is this song like i I often joke that i often joke that imagine dragons to me feels like a band that was created in a government lab or like yeah like 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 ai made it or something like it just it's so weird it's it's and faceless and there's guitars, yeah. but like you can't hear the guitars. Like they're so like processed or something. And I'm like, nothing oh, sounds yeah. like a fucking guitar in this song. Um, it's it, they're weird amalgams where they take everything from everything. Like they took from Arcade Fire, and then they took like large Coachella hats and like this weird Colorado outdoor culture and fused them to make all these songs with these ah chants in them. And yeah, I would I would say Ar- Arcade Fire was would kind of be like. Maybe the beginning of that. I really like the early Arcade Fire records a lot, but it's kind of like that that sound just being like bastardized. Maybe somehow kind of, you could draw a line through that for sure. Totally. Totally, man. I, I read this um, interesting thing about like the Grammys where like when Arcade Fire like won a Grammy, like they had this huge spike in like album sales and their concerts got really big. But I think now when you win a Grammy, like nothing happens. Like yeah. the jump, like you win like best artist ever or whatever the fuck the Grammy is for. And um, it affects your career nothing, like not at all. Um, or like very yeah. marginally. Like, isn't that weird? Like, but that's a recent thing. That just, that institution means nothing to anyone now. To me, that's one of the most promising developments because it shows the power being taken out of the institution and the, the uh, faculties of the music industry and building putting back towards the people through the internet. And I think that has its pros and cons as well. But to me, that's how I see it. Yeah. Yeah. That whole world, like Grammys and like late night and shit, it just doesn't, uh, it's, it's stuff like your mom cares about. And then I guess, but not even then, like even then, I don't know. I don't know how much anybody really cares about that type of shit anymore. Would you do it? Seth Meyers wants Joyce Manor. Oh, fuck Would yeah. Would you do it? Yeah, I got nothing bad. I got nothing going on. I'm fucking, you know, I'm playing video games all day. Um, <laughs> I do any of that shit, man. I fucking, I'll, I'll play the Grammys. I'll win a Grammy, sure. Like, it's not going to hurt. Of course. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I, don't have, like, I don't have any, like, objections. I just, I just think it's really interesting that it, it just is, it became not meaningful gradually and to the point where, like, now they just give Grammys to, like, Beck. And then, and then, and then, Beck's already rich and famous, so he's just kind of like cool. Does it mean anything to Beck? Like, could it possibly? So I don't know. It's weird. I think it would be. Uh, I wouldn't want to live in a world where I didn't. I only felt accomplished when recognized by the, you know, the Grammys or or the industry. But That's in like two, a hustle. In, but in two thousand six, if you won a Grammy, you'd have been stoked. Because your career is about to get like for sure, you know, it, it would have sure. meant something. You'd have been like, "Holy shit!" But um, just Agreed. the world, the world we're in now, it just you'd kind of be like, "Oh, weird." They still do the Grammys? Like, I don't even know they yeah. still did it. Like, I thought they got rid of those. But um, I'm still shocked at how many people care. So many do? people I know, like, are you going to watch the Grammys? Are you going to watch the Grammys? I'm like, you are. You're going to you, watch the Grammys? Like, you care? Like, that's weird. Yeah. I don't know anybody who still watches it, but I I would watch it, I guess, but. I didn't know anyone still watched it. 
Well, I think I probably have a lot more industry-driven、yeah. people in my orbit than than you might. I could be wrong, you but know, I don't. You know, know what? Just because of, every few years, a friend, someone I know, will get like、uh, nominated for one, and then I'm always curious. Like, are they going to win it? Like, someone I know who's like a producer or like a metal band.、Totally. It's always like a fucking metal band is like up for like some gram, the metal Grammy or whatever, and I'm like, totally. Oh, oh yeah, they have a metal Grammy, huh? And、um, I think, I think I've known someone who's who's won maybe, but I know I, I know I know people who've lost have not, have not won. They've been nominated and then and then they didn't get it. Yeah, yeah. I、uh, as far as what you were saying about、uh, guitar music and what we're talking about now in Grammy,、uh, a band that has really restored my faith in guitar music in particular, which a lot of people are talking about、Turnstile? right now, but that's one of the reasons I like them is Turnstile. Obviously,、yeah. I think. They have a chance, and I hope they win like best new alternative or hard rock act as a Grammy because they fucking deserve it. <laughs> I wonder if that'll hurt them because I, I was actually thinking about that and almost brought that up, and I was like, maybe I win. I wonder if that would serve normally. Them、well. I think us normally, or, yeah. Normally, I think it would hurt them, right? Right. Any other time, but I feel like Turnstile has cultivated such an open scene while, like. Spearheading open-mindedness in like punk and indie, I could be totally wrong, but like their aesthetic and their merch, the whole skateboarding world, their movies, like the way they rep themselves, like I feel like if any band had a chance to not have it hurt them, it would be them. But who? I don't really know for sure. Yeah. So I mean, sometimes it's just one of those things where, like, when you kind of you start to dabble with like、um, normal. The normal world and normal culture, like、um, you can kind of, you can kind of get in trouble. Like、uh, it's like totally.、Um, it happened. To, I don't know if you remember that being fucked up.、Um, of course. Yeah, yeah. So they, you know, they came from hardcore and、uh, got really. They they achieved like critical acclaim in like、uh, like the like pitchfork world. And、um, of course, and Toronto's finest. Yeah, and and I, I think. I, I mean, I don't know. I think、um, that was awesome, and it was cool because they they were putting out cool records. Little long records were a little long, but they were putting out <laughs> cool records. And I don't know. I, I think that you can kind of maybe just the underground is so fickle, and everything's、it、fickle.、Is. But the underground's、it、fickle,、is. and maybe when like you too much mainstream acceptance, you kind of lose your like edge, or it's not it's not as maybe not as cool anymore. No diss to fucked up or whatever. I, I like their records. I like their band and everything. But just like, I, I sometimes wonder how much of that exposure you can kind of totally kind of blow up the spot as far as like what the cool underground people think of your band and ultimately are the ones like creating the hype and excitement around your around your band. Yeah, um, I'm all about fucked up. I love them. Shout out Young Gov.、Uh, I. I think that they lack the sort of pop and songwriting appeal and sensibilities that Turnstile had, which is why they never、okay. caught traction in the mainstream.、Um, yeah, but I was gonna say I that. Like, I, I don't, I don't worry about that kind of shit because, like, I write like pop, pop songs, like hooks and shit like that. So it's like it's not a, as someone not a hardcore band, but you're right. Turnstile, like that guy is a super good singer. Like he can,、um, and the melodies are、yeah. so catchy. That's the、right. thing. He writes、yeah. hooks upon hooks upon hooks. You know. And、yeah. uh, obviously, fucked up is like pretty shouty. 
yeah. a majority of the time. So yeah, exactly. That's going to naturally have a ceiling. But then, but they start kind yeah. of flirting with like with um, I don't know, like playing Pitchfork Fest and stuff. And it's always kind of interesting when totally. you see a band from hardcore going going that route. And it's like, where where is this going to go? Is this going to be like, I don't know, um, like, is this going to be like on the on the radio or something? You know what I mean? Or what's what's the what's the deal here? But yeah, turns out you're right. But yeah. they have like they have Blood Orange on their record and these like very yeah. non-hardcore things. And it's like, are they are they totally. gonna be on the radio? Like, do they need to be on the radio? Like what's in also, yeah, like I wonder. Maybe they're just having fun. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what their and, ambitions but are. Props to or, But like for real, props to fucked up for being one of those bands that pushed the genre of hardcore in the early aughts yeah like literally having major chords in their songs like songs that were all major chord progressions you know yeah yeah and uh yeah yeah it was like super cool shit and yeah speaking of hooks you you also for sure write hooks upon hooks man your melodies are catchy as hell they like they get stuck i don't need to tell you that other people tell you that plenty but i'm just confirming that because for real Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I try to make every part memorable, and I'm actually kind of fighting with that right now. Like, uh, I'm I'm trying to like get a little weirder, and um, I've kind of trained my brain to just make every part super catchy, and I'm just trying to like rewire it to to, because I didn't used to write like that. I I I would write songs, and then so ac- sometimes I would accidentally write something that was really catchy, and then I think I started rewarding myself when I would do that and be like, yeah, more, more of that. I think just cause I knew it would be liked, but sometimes I think, um, there's more to, um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to end up like fucking like rivers Cuomo where I'm just like, <laughs> I just would like to, I would like to explore more of my mind and more of myself as a artist and as a musician. And, um, yeah. And not just be like trying to be like a, a hook machine. Um, which, well, which I, I have kind to of, me been, it's, yeah. Well, I see your point and and I feel you on that. I think Rivers Cuomo's is an extreme case because his he's the type of person from my small perspective that has exercised that songwriting uh catchy melody ex- muscle so much that it's like started to cannibalize. That's him. what I mean. It kind of eats like, it eats it eats you. Um when when you it, when you're just totally searching. devoured him. Yeah, well he well totally. he used to write weird shit like on the first two records, there's yeah. a lot of um, weird stuff that doesn't really make sense, but it's it's great. And uh, by Green Album, it got really yeah, but, c- really cynical, but great. Like I love really a lot cynical. of I like a lot of later Weezer and I, there's some amazing melodies and hooks and stuff. But it's it got really cynical after after Green Album or on Green Album. Well, yeah. you know, Green Album, he was pissed about Pinkerton's reception, so yeah. you know it totally. gets really angsty. Yeah, yeah. but then, but that that being said, Hashpipe is really weird. It's really weird song, and what you were and speaking to your point about wanting to get weirder rather than serving like this pop catchy thing. To me, the pinnacle of uh, being catchy is when you can make weird shit catchy. Oh, that yeah. to me is like one of the most the highest levels of catchy you can get to you know yeah like, like some sonic youth or like the fall have these parts that are like it's almost like atonal exactly. but it's totally catchy it's yeah 
it's like gang gang of four is a perfect example of oh, like yeah. get weird be catchy you know or i mean i'm not as huge a fan but obviously that's joy divisions appeal a lot of the time too you know yeah which is like kind of more kind of like yeah. intense yeah and, i'm uh, again i'm like more of a new order guy and and i'm just trying to search and and develop an appreciation for stuff that's not just um bro so new order all day get some more new order order. so much is musically in a totally different universe and caliber than joy division i don't care what anybody says like you can like like, one more than the other that's fine but i like new order more for sure um but agreed dude I, i went to this music festival in long beach a few years ago called music tastes good and they had new order as, yeah. as the headliner and i was there all day in the sun just drinking beers having fun um and i got pretty there was no one i wanted to see from like like seven o'clock to till new order and i was just like kind of debating going home i was like i'm so fucking tired um I don't know what to do. So I went to Chili's and just got some soup and just sat at the bar and ate some soup and went back for a new order. I was like, no, fuck it. I'm, I'm going to see an order. <laughs> at Chili's? Yeah, there's That's a Chili's awesome. down there. And, and I just went yeah. and ate some soup at Chili's because the food lines were all crazy long. There's some weird system where you had to like buy tickets. And I was like, fuck this. So I just oh, went yeah. to Chili's and got some soup at the bar alone. Um, Because all my friends had, had left there or like didn't go that day or whatever. But I was like, ah, oh, I'm going to go. I'm going to see New Order. Fuck it. And I watched New Order and immediately was just totally like revived. And it was so good and so fun. And they like, they were such a headlining festival band. Like they were so, they sounded so good. And they kind of like modernized totally the stuff without ruining it. Or, you know, they kept what was great about it, but they like updated the like, drum samples and stuff so or like you know like the the drum sounds so that they were like it sounded like lcd sound system or something like that or like it was it was fucking huge and uh amazing and like super super good um and they played uh they played some joy division too which was really cool because i I like joy division that's really cool yeah yeah. i mean I, i wonder if people know i think people like us know wonder if a lot of people that listen to newer incarnations like Cut Copy and all those other bands like know how derivative that is and like how pioneering and groundbreaking New Order was as far as like interfacing pop and like electronic music, which was still just so rudimentary back oh, yeah. then, you know? Oh, man, it's yeah. Like f- pioneering Hit Factory, like New Order was like... uh Literally, it's a seminal band. It's they're it's, very important. It's crazy how how good those songs still sound, like with the equipment they were using. You know, like oh, the production it, is so good. It's dope, still, yeah. you know who I hear a lot of. Well, I mean, it's not really because New Order have like musical kind of tropes too, where it's just like yes. a, a lead. It's kind of the Blink One Eighty Two thing, where it's like a lead line and the chords like move around it in a, in a way. Totally, I I I yep. use that a lot. I think a lot. I mean, a lot of it's used a lot in pop music, but it's i kind of trace it back to new order i don't know if i don't know where that originally comes from but you know obviously screeching weasel do it like blink 182 but it's just i'm sure it's in classical music and shit too where it's just like um a lead line that happens and the chord moves around it and the lead line feels different at every chord you go to totally uh, and 
I think that goes all the way back to classical music, but I think as far as like zooming the lens in a little bit, like zooming in further, I agree that in like pop punk and stuff like that, when people first hear like how Screeching Weasel's Hey Suburbia opens yeah. with that chord progression and that one lead line, that was one of the first songs I heard where I was like, oh shit, you can just play the same lead line, but change the chords underneath and you have this whole fucking world. Like it blew my mind. You it's know really, I mean? it, it's really like it. uh it gets my heartstrings. Like I, I, and, I Me mean, too. I, I don't know why. Like I just, I'm such a sucker for that trick and I try not to overdo it in Joyce Manor, but it happens. I, I do it from time to time and um. Maybe it's a Ramones thing. Uh, is it like, I don't know, because Ramones would have been before New Order. But who like who really did the first? Let's find out. Let's have listeners email in. But like, who did the first? I wonder. Lead line with the chords know, moving. It was probably like fucking the replacements Bach. did it too. Yeah, I guess like so, as far huh? as bands Bastards go, of Young, maybe yeah, like yeah. yeah, early replacements. That style of I mean, because they're not talked about, but. Early replacements, the Buzzcocks, Buzzcocks uh, early stiff been, yeah. little fingers. Yeah. Yeah, like these are the actual beginnings of real pop punk in my eyes. That wasn't yeah. made like in the Bay Area or Southern California, you know? Because yeah. the modern incarnations of pop punk largely came from California, you know? After like Ramones and stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, replacements is, yeah, like, I, is more like, in my, from from like my understanding, is kind of more like... A, shreddy almost like like bob's like the bob stinson dude he's like kind of going crazy on guitar um because those dudes could kind of yeah. shred um oh yeah, yeah and tommy stinson was a shredder on the bass too yeah, yeah totally, paul westerberg totally. wasn't a bad musician either paul westerberg was really good musician and yeah so. yeah I, I think he i think he was kind of before like the replacements he was a guitar player and i forget what the name of the band was but it was kind of prog so i think he i think he was kind oh, of yeah i think he was kind of like yeah, I think he could really shred on guitar, but just didn't care about that. I think he quit. I, th- I think I read that he quit smoking weed, and then he um, had all these like songs. Yeah. He had needed to do something, so he just started like writing a bunch of songs, and those are like the early replacement songs. Oh, that's really interesting. I yeah. would guess that it was after the replacements, like his dyslexic heart era on the single soundtrack era stuff. You know, yeah, like I Paul think Westerberg. Solo. That's I love that stuff. That, that's when he quit drinking. He got really, oh, okay. he got that, really like, I remember hearing about sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, that era of Paul Westerberg is really great. I loved that stuff too. When the I was single young. I mean, soundtrack? the single soundtrack. Yeah, single oh, soundtrack. Oh my God, huge, Waiting on somebody, that's, that's a killer song. Stayed yeah. in Love and Trust by Pearl Jam. There was one of the best Smashing Pumpkin songs ever called Drowned. I don't know that uh, one. I got to check that out. Yeah. Oh my God. I've, I, I, I mean, Alex know Estrada that, have talked about it a lot. But I it's bet, yeah, song. yeah, yeah. I got to check that out. You know, yeah um the screaming trees song on it is amazing uh, i nearly lost you um there's alice in chains wood which was fucking amazing alice in chains song uh i was never yo. down with grunge i was never down with grunge but i like it now like not not all of it but i like a lot of it now like especially like stone tumble pilots i never liked as a kid yes. I, I remember che- i checked out purple from the library when i was like eight and uh i don't know about purple didn't is that wait, is that the one with the kid? The, no, it's the kid like riding like a dragon or something, right? Oh yeah, it that's has, I think that's purple. Yeah, it's Interstate, Interstate Love Song in, album. That song's so yeah. good. I love Inter- so Interstate good. Love Song is one of those songs like I'd heard it a million times and then one day I just heard it different. 
And I was like, oh, this is so it's, fucking good. Yeah, I. that's probably one of the best and catchiest guitar leads in all of that era. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's kind of like a big um, star riff. It's cool. It really is like mm-hmm. Chilton, Alex Chilton, big starry. Like, yeah. I totally get that vibe. Robert and Dean DeLeo, two of the sickest brothers. Shredders. In, Those dudes are shredders, and, yeah. His bass playing is some of my favorite bass playing of that era. Amazing yeah. bass lines. Um, but yeah, Core, the first record is still my record because that song is just loaded. I mean, that album is just loaded with so many good songs. Yeah. That, that, is that one kind of more like, um, I guess, like typically grunge? Because the later stuff is kind of poppy and like almost Beatles-y at times. Yeah, I agree. Um, it is. It's more grunge. And right after that, they did this song um for the crow soundtrack oh shit. that is one of my favorite stone temple pilot songs but i am totally with you when you say i didn't like grunge i like some grunge now because here's the thing about a lot of grunge even early pearl jam bands especially like pearl jam and alice in chains basically had these dudes that were like spit out by the butt rock hair metal machine. Mm -hmm. And then they ended up in these grunge bands, which is why you hear like guitar solos in early Pearl Jam that are essentially like these shredding blues rock guitar solos. And if you look at Mike McCready, he looks, he's dressed like Stevie Ray Vaughan (laughs) in the videos. And like Alice in Chains still had a drummer with long hair metal hair and like all this shit. Teased hair and shit. Yeah. Yeah, and like when I look back on grunge, that's the stuff now where I'm like, ah, I'm not that into it as much, you know? Whereas yeah. like the Stone Temple Pilots, the Mud Honeys, the Dinosaur Juniors. Oh, yeah, yeah, Sonic yeah. Youth, still, it's gotten even better, a lot of it for me. Yeah, so. totally. Um, I, I loved like Pumpkins and, and Nirvana as a little kid. Um, but yeah, I guess a lot of the, those bands have like, um, well, Nirvana's super, super catchy. And Smashing Pumpkins yeah. is is catchy too, but it was it was more kind of like the intensity or something. But they they have a, such a diverse, um, like different sounds. You know what I mean? Especially like the record that I that I got super into was uh, Melancholy. Like when that came out, like I listened to that a million times. But that has a ton of different sounds on it. Um, so many different sounds. That's like some Beatles shit in their universe too, with like the diversity on the record of songs between yeah. rock and ballad. It's like crazy. And then yeah. there's that like 1979, which is kind of like New Order. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like partially at that time, it sounded super electronic because all the drums on every song were super live. Yeah. So for them to put out this program sounding like static groove, like, yeah. Yeah. Instead of like that, totally. like Led Zeppelin kind of like huge fucking drum sound. Yeah. And I guess Smashing Pumpkins were cool for me because of all those bands, they had like the most psychedelic flavor when totally. I look back on it. They looked like, cool, yeah. I liked, I liked Nirvana because they had the most punk sensibilities mm-hmm. of any of those bands with yeah. the catchiness, you know? Um, but yeah, that era was, I mean, fuck. I got to calm myself down. When we start talking about 90s alternative and 90s bands, like I need to chill out because I'll just start Blah 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 blah. Yeah, blah, we'll just ramble. Let's just bore the shit out of everybody. <laughs> What's something that interesting um, that we could say that think people might want to know? Well, I don't know about that because I would probably never get anything done if I worried about that. But <laughs> yeah. I can worry about stuff that I want to know that I yeah. find interesting. Like when you're on stage, 
are you kind of in that blank space where you're kind of zoned out, but in the zone are you, and you're looking around kind of seeing a sea of people, or are you the kind of scanner that's like scanning around, you check in with your band, people on stage, you're looking at individual people in the front row. Like where, where is your focus and your vision when you're actually on stage playing? It's a struggle to stay present and to, really and to, um, give people something real and connect, actually try to connect with, um, a, a mass of people. Um, and not, not, um, just kind of space out. Um, it didn't used to be that way. I, I used to have such a genuine excitement about playing music and it was my favorite thing. And I would, uh, just get up on stage and just fucking explode because I just I was so excited and I was so happy to be playing shows and I still am I still really am happy to be playing shows and I I love playing shows but when you've done something so many times um there's a you kind of drift into going into like autopilot and just um just doing it without thinking it like driving home like you kind of don't remember how you drove home you're like did I fucking did I lock the door just something you do so many times you naturally develop rote mem- rote memorization and and yeah my my goal is just my what i'm striving to do is to resist that and be very present and um connect to yeah my feelings and and the energy that people p- kids are giving me and to actually like be very present and in the moment and that sometimes that entails looking at my bandmates and um remembering that they're on stage too and just try to lock in and connect with them more. And uh, yeah, cause I mean, we all, feel, we all do it. We all, we all experience that where you're just kind of like it, not, not totally present. And um, totally. Yeah. And I, I'm still That's trying cool. to figure out how to do that. It's, it's a, uh, it's harder than you'd think. I or think to it's someone, someone who doesn't a, do it to so someone who's not a musician. Yeah. It, it's harder than you might. Yeah. Think. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I think it's more of a common struggle than a lot of people would realize. Actually, yeah, I think yeah. I think playing music and and the high of performing hurt hurt me, like the way uh, people who do drugs yeah, totally. like drugs hurt them. There, it is no, like drugs. Exactly it's right. euphoric, and and there's a come down, and I think like my oh, yeah. body or my brain is like trying to protect me by not allowing me to just be like so high off of um the high of performing and like the rush of getting up in front of people that it's like those receptors in my brain are like kind of turned off or something and i'm trying to like no, get around totally, it bro. and 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 feel it just to give people something authentic and connect with people in an authentic way now you said it so accurately i mean there's very few things where you can get so much oxytocin dopamine and adrenaline all at the same time and I think that's why people like myself and so many others, especially us in our band, were so extreme with substances and partying and people because we didn't know how that was damaging us and how it was carrying these artifacts of that damaging high into our regular lives, you know? Um, yeah. And so when I, when I first met you, when I talked to you, when I hang with you, I sense within you 
that same sort of protection of our real selves, which it's easy to confuse that person on stage with who we really are. And that may be part of who we are, but the reality is nobody should have their actual being exist within this person that needs to be in front of thousands of people, like shouting at them and adoring them all the time, because that's like the most damaging mind fuck ever. And so yeah. where I was going with this was that what I like about you is what I sense in you is that that sort of, uh, I guess I sense you being also rooted in wanting to be that real person in the real life more than the guy in the band. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I always work jobs whenever I'm um, not on tour, if we're going to write or something. I work a job because it is truly humbling. Like you will get in trouble sure. if you show up late. And um, yeah. you just can't be a dick because your coworkers won't like you and you will get fired. Like it's totally. just really, really humbling. And I don't want to fucking always go work a job. I don't always need to. Like if we had a good year and I have money in the bank. I mean, it never hurts to have me making money instead of just sitting around playing fucking video games. But um, <laughs> which I love to do. Like I love it. I love sitting around yeah. being a piece of shit with nothing to do it. Um, if I do it too much, I, I really start to get depressed and feel bad. So it is good for me to Same. have a job, but I don't want to fucking go have a job. Like I don't want to go to work, I'm, right? But I know it's good for me on a lot of levels, and it's it's good for me to um be humbled in that way, and just and just have to do the things that people have to do, and be held accountable for just um yeah, just doing regular ass people shit. I love that, man. I love that about you. That's why I saw you my dog, man. That's why you were real. You were a real one. Thanks, man. It's it's it kind of sucks. <laughs> but it's a uh, but I just feel like it's good for me. It's good for me especially when I'm writing and I'm back to you know trying to um get it, get on some kind of healthy uh routine or or yeah, a healthy routine at home. Um it's it's important to yeah. get a job. I relate to that because even though I resent the shit out of it, uh, I have learned that most good things, um, by way of self, self growth and stuff always comes through the process of, uh, discomfort, yeah. whether it's physically working out yeah. or doing school or, totally. you know, practicing ideas of stoicism essentially is what you're doing by being yeah. like, I don't need to go work a job, but, uh, I'm going to do it for this, these reminders. It locks me into like this place of being present of being grateful about remaining humble and learning how to interact staying connected to humans like it's essentially your own self-practice of like stoicism <laughs> like straight up like seneca style you know well how many how many fucking times have you met like some like little rich kid that's just fucking miserable awful little spoiled brat and you're like man you just need to get a job in the service industry and just get like humbled you know straight and sometimes I feel yeah. that way about myself. I'm just like, here Same. got a lot of people kissing your ass and like asking if you guys need more Miller lights up here. Like you kind of maybe could stand to a, a little bit of a reality check. And, um, yeah. And also, and also like I need to make money. So like if, if I made like this much touring of uh, these numbers of the year, like you can reduce that by a lot of the all the time I'm fucking sitting around making no money. And then, you know, yep. my, my, already humble yearly income is uh really humbled you know and, and so it's not like i'm just like 
you know, I'm a multimillionaire, but I go work a job for the fun of it. You know, it's like, it's always, it's always good to be making some money, but it's, it's really tempting to just, you know, be lazy and, and not, but yeah, it's good for me in in a few different ways. You're, you're a fascinating combination of like artist, punk musician, but still like pragmatist. And maybe that's now like later on in your life, but I think it's really interesting and cool that you're able to, I guess, carry what would be a dichotomy for a lot of people, but make it not so dichotomous for you, you know? Oh, thanks. Yeah. I don't know. I just, just how I am. If if you have a bunch of free time, it's like, yeah, man. Um, yeah. So you have a a new band called Choice Planner. Is it a one-time thing or is this a new thing? (laughs) Oh man. Um, so that was, that was what we played under at, at the sardine because I don't know if you ever, ever experienced this, but like sometimes bands will do like a secret show and it ends up being like too secret. And then there's like nobody there and it's kind of weird and kind of awkward. So it was just kind of a way of, um, hmm. playing without playing, you know what I mean? Or like, like kind of like a, having it be like a subtle wink so that, um, people can figure it out and go yeah because we used to play as the snow cones we used to like we used to just do like local shows as the snow cones um and then our drummer lived in philly for years and before he went back to law school and we couldn't really do anything like that but now that um we have a drummer who lives who lives locally um we can just hop on shows and, and just do stuff like that that's uh you know just fun and a good good warm up before something like the palladium so We'll probably end up doing Hell more yeah. like secret shows like that. And it's just fun. It's fun to play secret shows and it's, it's usually smaller and exciting because it's, I don't know, people like to be in on a secret, I guess. So the one we did, the, we did one. They do. We did one just the other day and it was really, really fun. Um, we just played a parking lot in Long Beach and it was like fucking crazy. It was really fun. I bet it was. Yeah. That sounds super cool. And it's it's cool to be able to have uh, anyone for their band to be able to get to a point where it can kind of give them a certain level of success, but still know how to have fun with that band. Because, you know, even us with RX suffered for many years from like it getting to a certain level and then us forgetting how to have fun with it, you know, and it just becoming like a job and taking it way too seriously. So oh, man, cool. I str- I struggle with that really bad. I think I... It, it, from like making it not fun um and you know i'm I, like i said i'm always like fight working against that and trying to trying to remind myself to enjoy it and have fun with it because that's the most important part but um yeah i don't i don't know if it's just maybe like you know we all had forced time off and then yeah we had, we had those like big shows at the palladium and they were really fun but it's just it's different than playing like to 250 people or whatever just I don't know. The scope of it is just like, it's, and also the, the secret show was like, there was no barricade or anything. So the kids were like in proximity, just much closer and therefore easier to connect with. It's really like, you know, when you have a conversation with someone, it'd be really fucking weird to talk to them from like eight feet away. You know, it's like, but like once you're a little more intimate with them, like right up close, you can fucking feel how excited they are, you know? So it's, it's not hard to, uh, yeah, it's not no, hard to ca- catch you, that wave, you know. 
Yeah, I I agree. I mean, playing big shows is cool in a way, but nothing beats being in a three to five hundred cap room that's packed without a barricade. Like that's the most, in my eyes, that's one of the most perfect show settings you could have. Yeah, I can just feel it, and I can I can feel it more, and so it's sick. Um, so yeah, I guess that's why we why we like to do it, why we want to do it, but um, we can't do it too much because I think I'll get in trouble. Um, the the, the like people who handle my career or like stop playing free secret shows what's wrong with you like you know what I mean? like they'll, they'll allow some of it but if we keep doing it too much it's like yo yeah like, knock it off um but we'll do occasionally and I, it'll probably get annoying if we're like always jumping on shows as a secret band people are like oh jesus christ these guys again um but yeah we'll try to we'll try to keep wow. it for special occasions uh, it seems as though whatever your tendencies and thoughts have been thus far have worked out really well as far as you maintaining a level of authenticity that people still connect with. Because at the end of the day, that's the main thing that we we really want to uh, cultivate, right? So yeah, totally. Um, and I, yeah, you know, everyone's just really eager to play shows again and be back, and after not being able to do it for so long. So I think I think I've, I'm starting to get it out of my system now. We have some stuff coming up this this month that um will be cool as well yeah yeah you're gonna play that one little venue in new york city what's that place called uh central park Ooh, right sorry you're breaking up a little bit but yeah um we got the central park show that's gonna be cool and then um this is a weird one uh i i this isn't gonna go up for a little bit right yeah you got some time yeah, yeah. Um, so we're gonna uh, we're playing Riot Fest, um, which is like cool. in two and a half weeks. It's like not even announced yet, but I guess Nine Inch Nine Inch Nails canceled all their shows, and so yeah, Riot Fest replaced the whole tour. them. Repla- yeah, Riot Fest replaced them with um, uh, Morrissey and Slipknot. Hmm. Let's yeah. see if Morrissey shows up. Exactly, but we're well, we're playing the Morrissey Day, so so uh, I I hope he does because that'll be fucking weird if he doesn't. I don't know what they'll do. I think yeah, but yeah. So we got asked like to to play to play that day, which is fucking weird because it's in two and a half weeks. So that's awesome though. At least you guys have had some shows to get it going, and Riot Fest is super fun. You know, it's an awesome yeah. festival to play. We did it in 2015, and it was fucking great. And we had like a super good turnout, and it was a lot of fun. And yeah, I've been meaning to get back, get back there, and do it again for a while. And you know, they finally asked, they're like, "Hey, do you want do you want to play Riot Fest in two weeks?" <laughs> like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. But yeah, just um, pretty cool. But just found out about. It. So yeah, those are the emails that I'm looking for when I'm just manically refreshing my email, hoping for <laughs> something like that. You know. Yeah, I know that feeling yeah. too, man, for sure. Just a, I'm like stoked a, that a, you get to do that. It's like a rat, you know, hitting the buzzer for the little dopamine thing. It's fucking gross. <laughs> that that piece of cheese, just, right? Yeah, it just keeps hitting the button, you know, like that's me with my fucking stupid email. And it's always just like well, it's always like zoomies or like 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 Jersey Mike's like bonus points <laughs> offer, you know, like like okay, whatever. <laughs> Hurts rental cars. Yeah, some, some fucking annoying. Yeah, exactly. 
Well, it looks like uh, Joyce Manor's got a big brick of Gouda and a big wedge of Brie coming their way this year, right? Yeah, so. just a, a lot of great, like, great news that I keep getting, and, and it feels good, but I'm kind of waiting for something to go wrong. And with, you know, with the headliner being who it is, it could very well go wrong. <laughs> you know, there's, there's probably like a 50-50 chance that that's actually going to happen. Anybody who's buying a ticket for Morrissey already knows that that's a 50-50 chance. Yeah. So, yeah. so do the buyers at Riot Fest. They already know. <laughs> yeah. I really hope I don't fucking get in trouble for saying that. I, I always get fucking in trouble for saying shit. But whatever. I guarantee you that this episode will not come out within the next two and a half weeks. Or do you mean saying that thing about Morrissey? Yeah, I do. I do. But whatever. Who gives a shit? Oh. <laughs> It's fine. No, you can't say everybody jokes about that. That motherfucker cancels more than anybody. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So. Yeah. Well, that's rad, bro. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me, man. Yeah. I Uh, I hope that it wasn't fucking, I hope it's listenable. I hope that we said something worth, worth people's time. I'm always surprised at how many people that do the pod say that. And I'm like, if people aren't bored by me, they're definitely not going to be bored by you. So I, you're, I, you're, you're fine. I did the thing where I, I kind of forgot we were recording a podcast and that we weren't just like catching up. And I'm, I, Perfect. I just, I worry. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's the idea, but I worry that there's going to be like a 30 minute chunk in there where it's just like, where we're talking about the like bike lane in, in Long Beach that people are like, what the <laughs> fuck am I listening? Like, what am I listening to? But Hey, I'm worried about that all the time. Yeah. dude. Like, there's sometimes where I've recorded an episode and I'm like, did I say anything worthwhile at all? Yeah, so. not not sure, but we'll find out. <laughs> well, at the very least, this was very enjoyable for me to get to yeah. chat with you for a while and hang out. Same, so, man. Love uh, it. And uh, I appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me. Did you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Did you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.